Welcome to the Church Planter Talks podcast, a resource made for church planters by church planters. Everything from practical helps to philosophical discussion, the Church Planter Talks podcast starts right now. your host, Corey Eastep, and joining me as always, Richard Rossiter and Preston Hoyseth. This episode, we welcome a special guest to the podcast, Pastor Adam Rivero, to help us with uh, today's topic of discussion. It's the word all missionaries and church planters dread, deputation. Pastor Rossiter, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you know Brother Rivero, without giving away too many gory details, uh, and give us a little (laughs) bit of an introduction here. Uh, I was um, integral in Brother Rivero's development as an elite athlete. I was his uh, soccer coach, and I was his baseball coach. And uh, just to tell you one brief story, Brother Adam had one RBI in his baseball history. It was a winning. Uh, it was a winning run that he uh, he didn't bat in. He actually walked the winning run in, and it was because of my great advice to him when he went up to bat. I said, "Adam, don't swing," because I knew the results would be if he swung. And he stood up there and made himself as small as possible, which used to be a lot easier for him. Uh, but uh, he said, on the fourth ball, you would have thought he hit a home run. I mean, just celebrating. Oh, yeah. It was sure. the greatest event of his small life. But uh, <laughs> I was glad to have a part in the development of his skills as an elite athlete. Uh, but just to kind of give you a little background on Brother Vero, uh, he grew up in Tampa, Florida, went to Westgate Baptist Church. I went to Westgate uh, Christian School, saved at the age of 16, praise the Lord, and uh, met his wife, Diane, at Heartland Baptist Bible College and were married in 2003. And uh, then he graduated college in 2005. And after serving on staff at Westgate Baptist Church, uh, the Riveros were sent out from there at Westgate to plant Liberty Baptist Church in Easton, uh, Massachusetts, and uh, first service in June of 2013 it's a privilege to know brother Rivero, and i used to be able to call him friend i don't know if i can anymore uh, but uh just a privilege to have him on to answer all our questions today well it's good to be with you and uh we're still friends because you've told a lot worse stories uh than that and that was actually i appreciate it because it was true um I, a walk-off walk That's i think right. my stats for that day was zero for three three strikeouts one RBI. Yeah, who could forget that? So. <laughs> but I appreciate Brother Rossiter, and uh, he, uh, aside from the sports, where he didn't have much of an impact in my life, uh, spiritually, uh, he had much a greater impact in my life, and uh, working in the youth department where I was and where I got saved, um, he's uh, uh, he and his wife are very special to me, and so it's a privilege to be able to be with you all today. It is good to have you, Brother Adam, and I'm just curious, how did a Florida boy like you end up in Boston, Massachusetts? Tell us a little bit about uh, how the Lord brought you there. 
I ask myself that every winter uh, that we're up here. No, actually, it's not so bad. You know, uh, when the Bible says that God gives you the desires of your heart, I think that is not always that he gives you what you want as much as he changes your heart to match his will. Yeah. And I love living up here. I mean, I don't mind the weather uh, for the most part. Uh, I love the culture, the people, the uh, small kind of small town living that we have at the same time, being part of a very major metropolitan area, the very uh, strange dynamic that we have. All of it is, is just wonderful. And it really all started for me when I was in high school uh, at Westgate. We took a senior trip to New England and spent some time in the Boston area. And God just broke my heart even back then that uh, I was used to the South. I was used to uh, uh, being a lot of churches like ours. And I just saw just the lack of churches and the churches that were here, many of them that were uh, – or to be honest with you, we're shrinking. It's certainly not all of them. Uh, there's some wonderful churches in the area, and there's more and more all the time up in New England. I praise the Lord for it. But God just broke my heart about it back then as a senior in high school, and uh, God turned that into a call uh, right before we graduated uh, Bible college. So, Awesome. Well, every week here on the podcast, we mention that we would love to hear feedback from our listeners. And lo and behold, we actually get feedback from one Adam Rivero, and he asked, hey, could you guys do an episode on deputation? So we're like, sure, let's do an episode on deputation and have you come on and actually help us with it. So right, if yeah. you're out there and you give us feedback, be prepared to come on here and actually do an episode with us about said feedback. So, right, yeah, uh, that should have been a disclaimer. I may not have said anything, but <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> well, talking about that deputation process, did you go out on deputation yourself? I know not every church planner does to the degree of um, what some may think, but did you go out on deputation and how long were you on the road raising support? Sure, that's a good question. We actually did both part-time and full-time deputation. What we did is in January of 2012, uh, we began part-time deputation while we were still on staff at Westgate. And what uh, our pastor, uh, George Pert, was gracious enough to allow us to uh, head out every midweek service, basically, instead of being at our church, going out to different churches locally. And what that did was over probably about a four- or five-month period, we hit about, I think, 10 or 11 churches, including uh, Cornerstone. And uh, we're able to start to get a, a base of um, support from folks that we knew, uh, churches that we knew and that we had fellowshiped with. We're able to get out a lot of mistakes. I mean, we made mistakes all along the road, but I mean, just those very early wrinkles of how do you even make a presentation? What do you say? What do you want to highlight? What do you not want to highlight? What do you want to preach? We're able to do those with some very friendly crowds of folks that had seen us and that met us through youth rallies and men's advances and things like that. And so after that about five-month period of part-time deputation in June of 2012, uh, we headed out uh, across the country. We left Florida in June and didn't return till after Thanksgiving. And just uh, churches every week uh, took about a month in Florida uh, around Christmas time, hit some churches around that uh, area that time. Then with about three more months of deputation, I believe it was the middle of March of 2013, we headed back to Florida, uh, picked up our stuff and moved up to uh, New England. So I would say all in all, the process was probably about 14 or 15 months for us between part-time and full-time deputation. All right, let's get a little controversial here because that's my part. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, I've heard horror, horror stories from deputation. So can you give us the uh, the worst you saw? And if you want to add some good stories, that's fine. But uh, what we want is some of the nitty-gritty. Uh, what are some of the you know, scary things you saw out on deputation? 
Well, well, seeing as that some of them might be listening to said podcast, I Un- might need to be unlikely. careful to Highly temper. Unlikely. <laughs> Unless you got support from my grandmother, they're probably not listening. <laughs> well, I would say, uh, honestly, you know, I we were prepared for a lot of things. I talked to some veteran missionaries. We had one on staff at Westgate who kind of prepared us for, I mean, down to having emergency supplies in the car, cans of Raid, things like stuff that you wouldn't even think of, you know, sleeping bags, uh, it, it, depending on where you were at. I'll be honest with you. I'm not just saying this because I don't want to be controversial, and I certainly don't like being controversial like you do, uh, Brother Rossner. Uh, but uh, uh, we didn't really have a lot of those kind of stories where we pulled into a church or pulled into a and, – and, uh, something very bad happened or uh, the worst thing that probably happened to us or the most awkward I would say was actually a Sunday we were uh, not only presenting but covering for a pastor that we knew that was on vacation and he said look can you come and cover the pulpit you can also present the ministry and so we did so on Sunday morning and then on the Sunday evening I was just about to get ready to preach and you know I'm ready to go and uh, there's probably maybe 20 or 30 folks there and uh, as I'm standing at the pulpit opening the Bible uh, the song leader was standing next to me he didn't say anything he was just standing like shoulder to shoulder with me and so i kind of felt him there and i said uh, do you need to say something and he says uh, unfortunately i do so I, I stepped away from the pulpit and he said folks i have something i need to tell you and he named the person by name and he said this person is dead and he said it just like that and just let that drop and all of a sudden people were crying people were one lady just ran out of the building apparently was someone that was a a very loved member of the church and he said uh and the good news is she's in heaven and then said now you can preach and walked away (laughs) and i thought well no i can't because this is gonna this is and i didn't know what to do so i just said i said we need to get as much distance from this announcement and the message as we can so i kind of spoke about the lord and about heaven a little bit and i said let's have three or four people pray just stand up and pray and and i i don't know what happened after that i don't remember all i know is they were dead and i would have given anything for him to make that announcement after church uh, instead of right before the message especially because um, you were preaching then, on lazarus huh <laughs> yeah well that would have been yeah that could have been really awkward and the, the, the gentleman that made the announcement actually did not want to call his pastor to tell him because he says he's on vacation he won't want to know i said look from the heart of a pastor he will want to know he says well i don't want to interrupt him i said i'm going to do you a favor i'm actually texting your pastor right now and telling him you're going to call in five minutes and he said oh well uh, uh, okay and so <laughs> i said trust me your pastor wherever he is will want to know that they're dead so, <laughs> so that was praise the lord that we can laugh about that now and that's probably the worst that ever happened but we, we came in contact with a lot of very generous kind churches and uh if that was the worst i could tell you hey we're blessed it's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. awesome one of the things that i uh hear from time to time about deputation is uh, maybe, maybe usually it comes from somebody who's been on the road just a, a really long time and they're having a hard time getting meetings or something like that. And uh, sometimes the thought is that the way that we as independent Baptists do uh, raising support uh, through this whole deputation process is just very uh, inefficient and it's kind of a broken system. Uh, having done it 
yourself. Uh, what's what's your take on that? Do you think that there's a better way to do it, or should we keep doing it this way? Or if if you could if you could single handedly make a change, what what would that be? Well, I mean, if the entire goal of deputation is just raising funds, it is a very inefficient way of raising funds. We know that there's uh, online forums, there's different things that can be done. But I found for me that deputation was a lot more than just raising funds. And so because of that, I I found it to be a great help. Now, certainly there can be issues and uh, maybe ways we can do some things better, but uh, I need a deputation as much for me uh, and for my family uh, as I needed really the financial means. Uh, To me, they went together. The fact that uh, there are uh, missionaries and church planners crisscrossing the country, um, uh, beating the drum for missions and church planting. I think it's not just about me. It's about our family. It's about uh, the churches we present at. It's about uh, us preparing ourselves for uh, the future ministry we're going to be part of. I mean, God taught us and me specifically so many things through deputation that I needed the minute I got to Easton. And I think if I had short-circuited that by putting a GoFundMe page out there, which I, I know couldn't be done for her monthly support, but just for the sake of argument, you know, if, if we did something like that and raised the funds in, in, in two days, um, I think we would miss a lot of what the process is really about. Again, not that it's perfect, um, uh, but that um, it was as much about teaching me a lot of things as it was just raising money. So I, I wouldn't change it. I think, uh, if anything, a lot of the problems that come with deputation sometimes come from issues with not working the system to the fullest that you can. And I don't mean that in a un, you know an ungodly way, you know, working the system. But I mean, just mm-hmm. you know, you know what it is. You know what deputation is, um, yeah. and. Uh, working it like you were working a job a 40 hour a week job taking it seriously it's not a vacation it's it's work and uh the presenting and all that and i I praise the lord for it can we do it better i'm sure we could tweak it here or there but on the whole i think uh i think it's a very worthy uh endeavor i think it's pretty pretty good preparation for church planting itself that uh we get used to the idea that what we are doing and the work we're involved with doesn't always translate into immediate results and so it's kind of like pastor nail uh used to tell me and always and even still does that god is not just building a ministry he is building a man and that process very much takes place during the course of uh being on the road and maybe uh some little victories and then some setbacks and all, all of that is pretty good preparation. Usually the shortcut, uh, efficient process isn't always the best way. Right. No, I agree totally. Brother Adam, and perhaps you other guys can add to this as well. Now that you guys are on the pastor side of things, do you have any tips for those guys that are still on deputation or guys about to venture out on to deputation? I hear... Personally, I have found that the major frustration that missionaries and church planners specifically face is getting a hold of the pastor, number one, but being able to get meetings, number two. Being a pastor now, do you have any input on that? Well, first, let me say that the the thought of deputation was so uh, scary to me that as I 
started striking out on the thought of, you know, God was leading us away from Westgate, time to plant a church. Uh, we always knew that the time was going to come, but we didn't know when that time would be. Uh, I would have, uh, at that time, I was so afraid to go out. I just wanted to plant a church in Florida so we didn't have to do deputation because I wanted no part of picking up our family. And knowing we're from Florida, some of these church planters in the Midwest can do a few meetings, go back home, do another few meetings, go back home. I mean, if you leave Florida, it's kind of like New England or maybe Washington or Southern California. When you go, you better go. Uh, and not come back and forth. So the thought to me was just really not something I wanted to do. Um, but as I look back at it, you know, my advice, first of all, for pastors is don't take it personally when pastors don't call you back. Um, I think, and, and Brother Preston, you might want to chime in here, the ratio I had of pastors that would call me back from the initial call was probably two out of every 10 if, if, I w if it was a good day. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I don't even know if it was that high as far as men that would actually call me back. Uh, yeah. But I would, you know, very often you'd have to just keep following up with those contacts. Sure. And it wasn't even 20% positive. I mean, that was right. to me, I think it was 20% would call back. And so I would, I had a spreadsheet. I mean, my spreadsheets had spreadsheets uh, of who I called and when I called. And I tried to call mm -hmm. every pastor three times. And by the third time, I could figure out that they weren't interested in. <laughs> And so, uh, so my, my thing is, uh, you know, when you make, call, you know, go out on deputation, uh, have the mindset that you're going to go, you know, and you're going to uh, be out there and that you are picking up stakes from home. And um, for me, I was, I had a preacher that told me once, you know, any meeting that you miss uh, that's empty, you can just tack it on in the back end of deputation. So if you have a month where there's four or five meetings that are empty, those are four or five meetings you're going to have to do and they're going to be added to your end time if you would a deputation. So for me, I was just very motivated to hit as many churches. Uh, we try to be in a different church Sunday morning and Sunday night. Um, and then Wednesday night, a lot of churches were accommodating. We ended up over deputation hitting over a hundred churches and fellowship meetings and actually making presentations at those, not just dropping in on churches, wow. places where we're able to present. Um, and I credit that obviously the Lord, uh, you know, making a way for us, but I, I felt like a telemarketer for about eight months of my life because I said, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it all the way. And mm -hmm. my, my, my wife would go and homeschool the kids and I would go to Starbucks or to McDonald's or any place with free Wi-Fi and just start calling and calling and calling. And, you know, when you call the pastors, you know, um, you know, don't, don't, I don't know that I have a special formula that you can say something to call and pique their interest, but I do know this, have materials ready, um, have printed materials, some, some pastors still want those, have a website ready, have your doctrinal statement ready, uh, be able to send a packet by email, um, have it be able to send many different ways because not every pastor is the same. I've heard, I've heard missionaries say, well, it's on my website and if they can find it there. Well, I mean, you can do that and that's fine or you can mail it and maybe interest a pastor that doesn't want to go on your website because they don't do that. Um, just be flexible and uh, work it, like I said, work it like deputation, like it's a job, it's not vacation. Yeah. Um, put in the time and the effort. Uh, we did fun things. I'll tell you, we went on vacation and we did things. My wife and I said, we traveled the country, we did things that people talk about doing when they retire yeah. and we did it on God's dime 
I mean, that's a miracle. And we did it with our kids, uh, which was even even more amazing. But at the same time, we always told the kids when we go to certain places, you know, we may not do this. We may not go. It's not vacation. You know, we're here to do these things. So I'm kind of veering off of the question a little bit, I guess. But uh, for for someone that's calling a pastor, I, again, it's identify who I have pastors that or church planners that call me now. And it's always it's interesting because the fl- the switch flipped within like two weeks after the church mm-hmm. started. The church started, and two weeks later, I had someone call <laughs> say, "I'm a missionary, and I'd like to get your support." And I'm thinking, I was making that call three weeks ago. <laughs> How is this? And now you're calling me. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was very awkward. But um, you know, say who you are. Say where you're going. Uh, I have missionaries that call and say, "You know, my name's Joe. Could you give me a call back?" And I think it's someone in town that needs some help, and it's their way of getting me to call. It's, you know, just, uh, just say who you are, where you're from, what's your mission board, <laughs> do you have a website? I'll look it up, and I'll, I want to call you back and uh, wow. and go from there. So I don't know if that answered the question or answered too much of the question, did, but uh, you, you know, use, that's kind of where we were. Did you use extra methods of contact when reaching out to pastors? Like if you couldn't get a hold of them, I know a common problem is trying to call their church and you just get the answering machine. Uh, sure. Did you try to reach out like through Facebook, through Twitter, anything like that, email? Um, I would do email usually. I just go on their website if they if they had one. By the way, um, I would yeah. go on the website and uh, and send them an email. Getting to the point of mailing them a packet uh, to me that was just wasted money. Yeah. Uh, very. I would say if a church has a Twitter or a Facebook, they're probably pretty connected. And yeah. you usually can get a hold of them uh, other ways. So um, I would do that. But I got to the point where I would – I think my, my general rule was three contacts. Yeah. And after three contacts, if they didn't, then I would leave them alone. So, do you, do you um, guys, the rest of you guys think that it's too invasive to maybe contact a pastor through Facebook? I don't, I don't think it's too invasive um, to do that. I mean, to be honest, it's less evasive than calling them on the cell phone. Uh, typically, <laughs> I wait till the fourth contact to call a missionary back. So that's why I never called Brother River. <laughs> no, no, I'm just so well, close. I'm just kidding. That we, we could have been supported. <laughs> oh, no, we're so close. <laughs> uh, you know, well, probably one of the most effective things for me as a pastor, and I, and I know this is not maybe the, the best way to do it, but probably the most effective way is missionaries that come to our church who don't have a meeting and they don't come in with a level of expectation they just come in and said hey we had no place to go tonight so we just wanted to come in and meet you and they came in with absolutely no expectation and typically i'd give them five minutes to stand up and talk and and that that just seeing their demeanor and i i've probably supported more missionaries that of the of guys that i don't know because I had some sort of FaceTime, you know, yeah. and so fellowship meeting or, you know, something like that or, or some, it, it may be weird to say, but let's be honest, sometimes it's about who you know. Yeah. And so, yes. oh, no doubt, you know, yeah. if you can make some point of contact, obviously it has to be an honest point of contact, you know, sure. uh, you know, me and Paul Chappell, we're best buds, you know, <laughs> you don't have to lie about it, um, but you know, if, because there's so many missionaries, you'd like to start with some sense of safety and doesn't sure. you know, support a guy, but you know, it, it may sound weird, but you know, saying, Hey, I, I know your buddy. I, I, I uh, gave a presentation to his church. He thought it'd be a good idea to contact you. Um, you know, I didn't think that was a bad thing. In fact, that would normally get me past the first hump because mm-hmm. if I don't know them at all, there's so many missionaries. Sometimes I'm one of those guys that uh, <clears throat> didn't call you back, you know, 
because uh, there's so many. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I, I tried to. No I've been trying to do better at that, and just calling them back and say, "Hey, by the way, there's so many you're not coming." Um, but I know it's not uh, it, it's not the easiest thing. So any way that you can get FaceTime for me is of great value. Yeah, and I think connections are important. I mean, we're not networking like uh, CEOs or the local Lions Club or something, but we are. Uh, having a level of familiarity knowing someone's manner of doctrine and it's not just something on a paper but you have a pastor friend that also knows is a big deal and so um you know telling folks where you're from by you know whether it's bible college your um uh mission board if you're calling in a certain region maybe naming a few of the churches that you are at you know we're going to be at uh you know pastor uh, Smith's church and we're going to be at Pastor Jones church and uh, while we're in the air we'd like to come by that that is something for me now on the other side that does make an impression had a missionary a few weeks ago that said I'm going to be at Pastor DiGiacomo's church a friend of mine who I trust very much well I'm going to automatically listen a little bit more to that than someone that just calls randomly is is that fair I mean maybe or maybe not but I the fact of the matter is there's so many yeah. and we want to be wise with God's money and that uh, I think that's a, that is an important thing when you're having that discussion on that little 30 second clip on a answering machine or when you're talking to a pastor and you know he's already hanging up the phone while you're talking you might want to get that information out super quick yeah I know that that really helped us out on deputation was uh, we pretty much reached out to either pastors that I knew or pastors that brother nail knew you know and mm-hmm. so people that were familiar with our sending church and with us personally uh that formed the bulk of where we went on deputation we were blessed to have you know a good good amount that know that not every not every sending church is as well connected or whatever but uh that makes a huge difference to be able to just get a hold of the pastor and to secure that meeting and they're just for right or wrong they're just gonna be more likely to take you on for support too sure uh my question is um you know i was talking about pros and cons and deputation thinking about it from the the church's side how what kind of support typically are you getting you know is it frustrating to put all that effort go to a meeting and then the church take you on and say woohoo 25 dollars a month or I know, you know, you guys, I was on like, I went on like uh, three week deputation. That was my deputation. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, so. I can't speak that way, but, you know, is, is part of the brokenness of the process, the fact that churches give such a little amount to each missionary, or is it better to be, you know, spread out? You know, how frustrating is that when you realize your support for a month can't fill up your gas tank? Is that frustrating, or am I just cynical? No, well, I I think there has to be a good balance of both, meaning you can't have – you can't go being supported by three or four churches because one will be – losing one will be a deal breaker. Uh, For us, if we had received support – and I actually had mentioned this to a couple pastors once. If we had received support at $25 a month, it would have taken over 200 churches for us to get – to this area, which is just unacceptable. Um, So are we grateful for every church, no matter what they 
uh, send? Yes, especially if you're currently supporting us at $25 and listening to this podcast. Thank you very much for your this support. We appreciate it. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, however, one of the things that I, I'll just speak for me and my philosophy of it, uh, I wanted to, when we started Liberty, to have a missions program with fewer names on the wall and a greater financial uh, partnership. Yeah. And so currently for us, we support, I know churches support maybe our size, 20 or 30 missionaries. Well, I, I we support eight um, right now, I think eight or nine at $100 a month. Um, and we're looking to doing to increase that uh, in, in number as far as number of missionaries. And I, to be honest with you, I wouldn't have a problem going up from $100 because a $25 uh, economy is not here anymore no. you know we've no. we've passed that so am i thankful for everyone yes is it a little frustrating that someone will say you know 25 dollars for a year um you know or or something like that and, and you know it may not cover the gas it took you to get to that meeting over the year those are just things you have to leave to the lord you know because it'll drive you batty just trying to to work all of that out in your mind but i do think Part of that conversation that uh, Brother Preston was talking about, you know, is deputation broken? Is it? Um, I think the model of twenty-five dollars a month is probably something that needs to be rethought, and also the model of uh, we'll support you for a year as a church planter. Um, if you're a foreign missionary, uh, you're supported for life. Um, sure. I, I'm not saying that every church planter should be supported for life, but I do believe that maybe the one-year or two-year model um, is, is something again that probably should be looked at, and we have a great majority of our churches that have just told us you're in the boston area it's the most expensive one of the most expensive areas in the country you know we'll support you as long as you need it and i praise the lord for that um however um you know there was a a thought process that is you know we're gonna put a time period on it and i don't even mind the time period as much if a pastor will call and say hey it's been three years i know that's what we said originally but where are you at right now had a pastor call me about two or three months ago with that very comment and i kind of just laid it out very you know the pros and cons and he said well he says brother you know we're with you as long as you need just consider us for another year so i'm great with that too i just think it's sometimes when pastors tell you well, you're doing okay. You're where you need to be, but they really don't know where you are or need to be. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of where that it, it can be a little frustrating. But again, um, uh, those are things I try not to think about too much because they do. You you will just dwell on them and it'll, it'll drive you crazy. But we we're thankful for everyone that supports us, and we just kind of leave that to the Lord. But that's kind of my two thought, my two cents on it, especially being now on the other side of it. That's the unique thing about being a church planner on deputation because you do both sides you go on deputation and then you have people come to your church on deputation within months you flip the switch and i found that to be very awkward <laughs> but so it kind of crystallized what i experienced in deputation and how i would have a philosophy as a pastor and do you think that the expectation of a lot of pastors is if you're planning a church in america that you should not need our money after a year or two years that that's the ex- that's the expectation that you should be good to go at two years i think it used to be the expectation i think the tide is turning on that i don't think it completely has i think there is a generation of pastors that went out with no support at all and as i used to as I like to say they, they they drove on a tank of gas and when it ran out they stopped and started a church you know and they and they worked you know 80 hours a week and they did all those things and i praise the lord for it but i think there's an element uh, that would say well this is the way we did it 
you know, we'll give you some, you know, we had churches that gave us money for a year or two, and that's the way it needs to, to happen for you. And obviously, economies are different. The world is different. Um, and if we want churches to grow and thrive quickly, um, a full-time pastor certainly helps. I was able to have lunch with a man just before the podcast. Um, I had lunch with him for an hour um, and talked to him about the Lord, and he wants to join the church, and we have about eight steps we have to talk about uh, before that because I uh, wasn't even sure about a salvation testimony. We we're trying to talk about all those things and handle those, and I can't do that if I'm on a lunch break you know, right. from the plant, and it took me 15 minutes to get to the restaurant, 15 minutes to get back, and I can't do that. So, um I do think that model needs to be revisited, and I think it is. And I do, I do feel like the, like the the tide is turning on that quite a bit. But uh, you know, every church has to do what they feel is right in that. But I, for me, we, the church planning uh, missionaries we support, the Lafreniers and the Lusks here in the states, we, they've just basically written them. A blank check not of money uh, uh, but of time you yeah, know yeah. it's uh it's it's different so yeah i'm i'm so thankful for especially the pastors up in this uh area of minnesota north dakota and they they just know what it is you know being up up north like this and yeah. they they said early on um you know we're we're will support you for the long haul. And they said, you know, really encouraged me to uh, be sure to get enough support on deputation uh, to where that I could be full time in the work, even though you can, as a church planner, you can, you do have the option of going and getting a job and that that's a blessing to have that fallback. But I um, uh, just got a lot of counsel from some men up here in this area anyway, that, They've seen that happen, and they've seen how it hinders the work, and um, and they backed it up. You know, they they didn't just say it; they they took us on and they support us, and and several of them continue to do so to this day as we continue to get on on our feet. And so that's that's a blessing when you got some churches like that behind you. Amen, brother Adam. What uh, what else would you say besides the idea of time limits? Um, what other differences, or did you notice? Um, between going out on deputation as a home missionary, church planning here in the States, and somebody who's going to the foreign field, what what distinctions do you think that there would be between those two deputation processes? Um, a, a couple major differences. One, obviously, in home missions right now, we have the blessing of the uh, church planning conferences that are all over the country. And so we're able to utilize those, whether it's in Heartland or it's in Colorado or Washington. We have three in the Northeast um, that are going on right now at different times of the year. I, I think the uh, the rise of those has been a huge help and a blessing um, to be able to raise a lot, uh, you know, larger sums of support at one time and still be able to get them from a diversified group. So if you lose one, it doesn't, you know, cause a budget shortfall for your family or for your church. Um, the big thing for me was really prioritizing on deputation because we were home missions, because there were churches that would only support you a few years. Um, it made the decisions of where we would go a little bit different. Uh, let me put it this way. Like, so if I'm in Florida and a pastor in Washington wants me for a missions conference, um, and they're going to, I may need to fly myself out there. Uh, maybe they're not able to, to reimburse or whatever. Um, I have to decide as a home missionary, you know, as, as the Lord allows, is that a wise financial move? to take a week to go out there for what could end up being a net loss 
or something that would be uh, almost a wash. You say, well, that's kind of cold-hearted. Well, I want to make the, the, the best use of God's resource. Now, if God yeah. says to go and it's it's a loss, but God has a reason for that, then you go. But there's it's a, it's a whole different thought process, whereas a missionary to the foreign field, I believe, would probably drop everything to go because that is support for life. Um, and it's a completely different thought process. So for me, deputation was more guided by this is where I'm going to be. Here's some churches that I have already set. Let's fill in around that uh, compared to a, a, a foreign missionary, which a lot of times will go across the country several times because you may eat up a lot of gas, but they'll support you for 30 or 40 years. So it's a wise investment no matter what. So uh, I, I know guys on deputation right now that are preaching at camps and revivals and youth rallies and stuff and flying different places. I'm thinking to me, it's like, no, 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 no. That, that just extends your time. Uh, uh, stay where you're at. Stay in the area. Hit as many churches as you can. You should have anywhere from, I believe it's 12 to 15 open spots a month. Uh, any, 10 to 15, air, you know times you can make a presentation in a month depending on if it's a four or five sunday month um sunday morning sunday night wednesday night um and as many of those as you can but don't travel all over the world because a, a foreign missionary has that luxury we don't really have that but obviously again because this isn't a financial uh thing this is a spiritual thing if god moves you to go somewhere and go don't be so cold that it's all calculated and spreadsheet you know spreadsheeted um but do keep that in mind for sure because it does make a difference you know we we're talking about deputation and i think it would be remiss to not mention that there are other models um brother bud calvert is a proponent of of a model and that's kind of the one that pastor neil followed with me and that is mm -hmm. the sending church having a big investment of their missions money for the church planner with the concept that uh, you're going to go full-time right off the bat and we're pretty much going to keep you uh, sustainable uh, you know financially and I know not every church can do that um, but you know I think it's something that on ascending church side can be considered but what are your guys's opinion uh, we talked about you know, sending church authority last week, and I know nobody wants to comment on that. But uh, <laughs> what kind of uh, uh, what kind of partnership do you think uh, that you would desire to have financially as a sending church? You know, what what percentage of the support? You know, what do you think is a good balance? You know, of the sending church. Uh, well, I know for us, uh, Westgate was our largest supporter. Uh, and uh, not just financially, but logistically, prayerfully, um, in every way. Uh, awesome. But we were not an extension of staff like maybe you were when you had left from faith, where you, you, they basically had 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 you're almost all, as as a staff member over there planning the church, or how Brother Calvert does it the same way. Um, I have a great appreciation for that. I think it's just that a lot of churches. Have a hard time being able to do that. We have a young man that has just started as an intern in our church. Um, was in the youth department at Westgate while we were there. We're excited for them. I would love to do that. To be honest with you, I would. There's probably a part of me who would prefer to do that, Brother Roster. I don't know if um, we would be set able financially to do that. But I think it's a wonderful thing. I, I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think one is more biblical or spiritual than the other. No doubt. So. Yeah, I think it was. It's awesome when it's when it's worked out um, to do it that way. The 
possible weakness that I see in that is if there are unforeseen things that happen at the sending church, whether a change in pastoral leadership or a change in the finances, all of a sudden you really have all your eggs in that one basket. And so now here you are a year into it and you either have to decide I'm going on deputation or I got to go get a full time job or something. So, you know, there's pros and cons, I guess. What do you have to say, Brother Rossiter and I were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but Pastor, why don't you bring in that concept of uh, getting a profession or that job training even before you go out? You know, I I think the idea was, and when I was coming out, that if you can do anything other than be a pastor, you should go do it, which I I think is a totally misunderstood statement. But I, I think because of that, a lot of our young men have had no concept of pursuing any sort of trade that they could fall back on you know and i'm not talking about trying to be bivocational but just something that hey push comes to shove you can put food on the table yeah for sure to me i think that's something that should be promoted amongst you know young people especially young men that are considering going into the ministry that hey you should make yourself the best commodity that you can by learning some trade you know whether it's in the area of technology or some some mechanical thing you know but i know when i came out that was not pushed at all and i literally had no trade it was either you know get paid by the church or become a salesman you know and that used to be what the saying was if you can't pastor the church go down sell used cars and you know, I, to me, oh, I just think great. it's silly. And do you? Th- but yeah. do you think it's misappropriating priorities to push young men to learn a trade in conjunction to preparing to plant a church? Uh, I, th- I think it's a it's a wise thing. I think everyone has to kind of go in the direction that God leads them, obviously. But I can just say from my experience, I had this discussion with the, the our intern a few weeks ago. I told him, you know, my trade is preaching. And I don't even feel very good at it. But that's it. I mean, I'm not a carpenter. I can't fix cars. And Massachusetts is an economy where if you don't have a trade, um, you don't do very well. It's hard to survive. Uh, we have family, you know, most families here, if there's not a trade, you both both uh, folks in the home work, uh, you know, husband and the wife, and maybe working two jobs because uh, it's so expensive here. And so for me, because I didn't have a trade and we needed to make some ends meet with some loss of support about six, eight months ago, um, I started doing Uber which is a pretty popular thing up here, uh, being in a fairly metropolitan area. And uh, I enjoy doing it. Uh, it, It's been a huge help um, because I can turn it on and turn it off when I need to. Um, But, um, you know, if I could make a cabinet, you know, or if I could fix someone's car on the side for a little bit extra, I mean, that would be a huge help. So I'd encourage anyone, if, if they are able to, um, it's definitely something to to pursue. In fact, that intern that was with us, I, it is with us. I told him we have an auto detailer in our in our uh, church who does very well. And I said um, he was looking for work. The detailer was. I said, you know what? When you have a few extra hours a week, you ought to just go and work with him for free, mm-hmm. and just say, look, just show me what to do. I'll work for you for two months for free. Just when I come in and out, you know, when I have an extra hour, just teach me how to be a detailer. I said, because imagine how that help you. Uh, when you're out, you know, uh, it's more than just cleaning a car and wiping a rag on it, you know, understanding. I said, that's just something you could learn real quick. So I think even with my experience here in Massachusetts, uh, that would be the, 
case. Obviously, for I imagine Uber's not super popular in Bemidji, uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, 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 I wouldn't even drive for three months if I lived in Bemidji. I think, uh, but uh, uh, but you know. Uh, it's certainly the same thing applies there. I mean, if it's not something like that, a trade would be very, very helpful. So is it is it a must? Uh, probably not. Is it wise if you can? I would say from my own experience, absolutely. Well, in the day and age that we live in, too, you have online courses. You could commit five hours a week to something and learn a trade within the span of a couple months. And I'm talking like graphic design. You can even – I know a lot of church planners personally that sell on eBay or Amazon uh, on the side, mm. do things like that. Just whatever makes ends meet, those types of things. You can be creative with it and uh, and invest a little time and, and make a little bit on the side. Yeah, We yeah. probably uh, – need to have a whole episode just yeah. on yeah. bivocational church planting and uh, maybe we can uh, think about that in the future but that's a that's a huge topic and I think something that would be very helpful yeah absolutely yeah well guys this has been a great discussion thank you so much brother Rivero for suggesting the topic and then coming on taking the time to talk about it uh, but before we go do you guys have any other ideas concerning this deputation thing I think if you show up at the pastor's house about midnight, you're sure to make contact with him. <laughs> knock on his door and say, you know, I'm not leaving till you give me a meeting. You I know, think that'd be very effective. I'm almost tempted to just take this last question out of our notes completely, just saying, anybody else have anything to say? <laughs> well, the only thing I can think of is that if you want uh, – a surefire church. I mean, if you, you want to know that you are going to get support, I would call 352-515-0949-13171 Terra Street, Spring Hill, 34609, Cornerstone Baptist Church. Tell them Adam Rivero sent you. Amen, brother. <laughs> Not cool, man. I have to answer the phones around here. <laughs> oh, that, oh, that's even better, Corey. That's even better. Do I? Probably not, but... <laughs> No. <laughs> Call away. We'll contact you after the fourth contact. That's right. <laughs> well, you made it four times as bad. That's good. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening today. If you would like to submit an idea for an upcoming episode, uh, we love that kind of feedback. So we go to our website, churchplantertalks.com, and fill out that contact form, or you can email us directly, churchplantertalks at gmail.com. Uh, this podcast has been a help to you. Please don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or on SoundCloud and give us a rating. Give us a five-star rating, preferably, and don't just put, eh, it's okay. <laughs> but uh, give, us a, uh, give us a rating on there, and uh, that'll help more people find this resource. Uh, so, Pastor Oster, Pastor Royce, Seth, you guys got any final words? I guess I would just I, I was just gonna say uh, actually that uh, we never talked about it earlier, but just the the very word deputation, uh, we we ought to never forget that what we're doing is we are deputizing other missionaries and church planters to go where we are not and we cannot go. And so when missionaries come in on deputation, it's not just that they are looking to raise some funds; is that it's that they can be a great help uh, to the local church in fulfilling the Great Commission, and we can deputize them, and uh, they can help us to fulfill that. Good stuff. 
Well, for Pastor Roster, Pastor Hoyseth, and today's guest, Pastor Adam Rivero, this is Corey Eastep saying goodbye and God bless you and your church planning endeavors.